So I, uh, I hope it's all right. We're going to talk about bacon today. Uh, raise your hand if you like bacon. Hands up if you like bacon. All right. Uh, if I've made anyone hungry already, I'm sorry. I will try and have you out in time to go get bacon. Um, if you didn't raise your hand to say that you like bacon, I'm really sorry. Uh, don't worry, though. You are just, for the next couple of minutes, going to need to imagine that you know what everyone else knows, which is that bacon makes life better. So just get, put that in your head for a moment. So, uh, so let's say that you're at a dinner feast, and the table is set, and there is a large plate of perfectly cooked, crispy bacon. Do you eat it? The obvious answer is yes, right? I mean, it's bacon, and bacon makes life better. So, of course, you reach for the bacon and you eat the bacon. But what if you found out that this particular bacon came from a pig that had been sacrificed on an altar to Aphrodite? Like, all of Oscar Mayer's bacon is sacrificed to the god Aphrodite. Not really, but, but what if you found out that it was sacrificed to the god Aphrodite? Then would you eat the bacon? yes right? Because there is no Aphrodite, there is only one God, and therefore this bacon is fine, we're going to eat the, we're going to eat the bacon, right? Now, what if you know that the friends sitting to your left at this particular dinner gathering know, also know that the bacon was sacrificed, or that the pig was sacrificed to the god Aphrodite, and that they might be deeply offended if you ate this bacon, What, what, and what if it was somebody you'd been building a relationship with and you wanted to invite to, to come with you to church and you weren't sure you wanted to offend them? And what if, what if the person on the other side of you right, is dieting and is really trying to take care of their, their heart and, and because they have health issues and they've given up all fatty, fatty foods and you know, that, you know that seeing you drooling while you eat this piece of bacon is going to tempt them? Right? And, and add to that, what if that friend actually turns to you and says, hey, it's okay, you can go ahead and, and have a, a piece of bacon because, um, you know, I might just have one piece too. It, it's not going to hurt. Now do you eat the bacon? Right? I, know, I know you really want to because you're fine and your health's fine, and, or at least that's what you're telling yourself, right? You really want to eat the bacon, but, but at this point we realize... Right? The truth is that there are now th more things in play in this decision than just the, the plate of bacon that's on the table. It's about more than eating bacon. And all right, so yes, this scenario is a little bit silly, in part because not nearly enough dinner parties have a big plate of bacon. <laughs> but kidding aside, right, even this silly example, we, we begin to realize that Life isn't always as black and white as it seems, right? Bacon good, our stomach tells us, wait a minute, there are other factors here. Our minds, our minds remind us we're people of faith, people of God. There's more to consider than the plate in front of us. So how do we navigate, how do we navigate the world when it isn't black and white, when, when relationships aren't so, so simple, 
how do we navigate the world when we're gathered around a table and, and not everybody sees the world the same way or, or understands the world the same way, has the same outlook? These questions become, become important. And so we're going we're gonna to let Paul in his letter to the church in Corinth sort of help us think about those questions today. Let's, let's start with a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, speak to us. Right now, those of us gathered here, those of us gathered virtually, speak, speak to us. Through your word, through my words where they connect, in spite of my words where they don't, Lord, share a message with us today. Remind us of your hope and, and joy. Remind us of the way of, of Jesus. Open our hearts and our minds and our souls the depth of your grace and love and call us again invite us again to share in it in jesus name we pray amen last week i was at the martins in granger uh, sitting in the upstairs cafe doing some reading and writing i sometimes go over there when just to kind of change pace and often if i'm kind of stuck it being around people sometimes gets the creative wheels uh, rolling. And I'd been working for a while and actually was just, had packed up my stuff and was just standing up to leave when I heard uh, downstairs a kind of a loud, very rude female voice say, what kind of idiot puts a bottle on top of a loaf of bread? And uh, as I walked to the stairs, I looked down and there, there was a, a woman checking out who was just berating this this young he was a kid to me but probably young adult male just berating him over putting the bottle on top of her bread I guess but he tried to apologize and she just kept at him and he he offered to go get her another loaf of bread and she refused and just kept at him and uh, uh and by this time like sort of everybody's watching and I'd made my way down the stairs and I looked back up and there had been these four teenagers that were sitting at a table right by me and they had all come over to the rail to see what the commotion was about. And I made eye contact and we shared this, you know, that, that look that you give somebody else when something like that's going on, this moment of, can you believe this is happening? Can you believe kind of how she's, how she's treating him? As it turns out, I got to the bottom of the stairs and, and headed out and she actually finished berating this poor young man and, and came to the doors right behind me. And so I opened the door and, uh, and held it for her and she went through and then, um, and then she went out and I went out and followed at a distance, I might add, didn't want to get involved in whatever was happening here. And, uh, and then I watched her put her groceries as I went to my car, she went to hers, put her groceries in the back of this uh, kind of small SUV. And, uh, and then I couldn't help but notice as she closed the back, there were about four Christian bumper stickers, like all with different cross and a fish. And like, there were these bumper stickers on the back of her car. And, um, I can tell you in that moment what I did, I looked up at the windows of the Cafe of Martins because the first thought that went in through my head was, I wonder if those four teenagers moved back from the rail to the table where they were sitting and are looking out to see what happened after she went outside and can see this car with the Christian stickers. And if they can, what are they going to think about the church? Now let me pause right now for a moment. And invite you to ask yourself, are you judging this woman? 
Because I'll admit, in that moment, and, and probably even in telling this story, there's a piece of, of judgment. There's this sort of slippery slope. I did judge her in that moment. So, so let's not. Let me invite us to not judge her. And the reason not to judge her is, is this. Because I'm going to guess that there aren't many of us here who can't say that at some point in life we have done something or that we have said something that we've regretted or that we sure hope nobody said, oh, that's how followers of Christians behave when we did it or when we, or when we said it. Now, this is a total aside for a moment in, in some ways, related, but... Um, because uh, I've had similar moment without the, without the bumper stickers, and it just makes me think, uh, if you are going to put bumper stickers on your car, or you want to get a tattoo with a, a, a cross or some other Christian symbol, or you're going to wear something out in public that has uh, a church logo or a or Christian logo in any way on it, or I should add to that, if you're going to become a pastor, <laughs> you should know you need to be aware that every observable action, from your driving to your words to your interaction with people, it reflects back upon God and Jesus, or at least upon the church. Right? It reflects upon how you understand Jesus, how you understand the church to those who are observing you. And you see, from outside... From outside, I think people often think that the church is filled with pious and, and sin-avoiding, nearly perfect people who all get along. Of course, we all sitting here know that's true, right? I mean, we all know that's not true, right? The people sitting in, the, in, in, in church buildings on Sunday morning, the people gathered virtually on Sunday morning, we are still people. We're argumentative sometimes, and sometimes we're divisive, and, and sometimes we're impatient and nasty, and, and sometimes we're self-centered. And, and I don't share this so that any of, us, any of us feel bad. I share it so we can all reflect and know, right, and, and know that we're human. We, we all have bad days. We all have moments that we wish we didn't have. We all say things sometimes that we, we shouldn't. Sometimes I think that maybe the most important thing we could do for the message of the church for the world is actually to, to go out and, uh, and shout it to the ends of the, of the earth that, that the people that you'll find in worship on Sunday morning virtually and in person are, are sinful and broken and hurting and messed up people who make mistakes who know that they don't have it all together and that they need Jesus to hold things together in their lives. You know, let's just own that for a moment. Let me invite you to, to turn to somebody near you and say, I've said things I regret too. And if you're at home, you can say that to me and, and I'll, I'll happy to say it to you. I've said things I regret too. And all of this, I think, invites us to ask, invites us to ask a deeper question of ourselves, deeper question of our gathering as, as followers of Jesus. If we say and do things that we regret, 
or that hurt others? What makes us different from the world around us? Like, does, does following Jesus, does knowing Jesus make any difference in what we do and what we say? Paul, the Apostle Paul, he writes a letter to the church in Corinth. And a quick look at the very beginning of this letter, and we get the sense already that, um, that this is a people, that this letter may be helpful because Paul is writing to a people who are obviously facing division and probably saying things that are hurtful to each other. Right? Paul writes to this, this church that he planted, and And it is obvious that they are not representing Jesus to others because of their own strife and and divisions. We know this because Paul puts it right at the beginning of the letter. He says this, 1 Corinthians 1.11, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, Chloe, one of the leading households of the church, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Sometimes in Paul's letters, he takes a little while to to get to what's going on. In, In Corinthians, he shares a 10-verse greeting, and then he names it right off. He says, there are divisions and, and quarrels among you, and we need to address this. Now, for a little context on what's happening, the city of Corinth, it's, it's located on an isthmus that connects the Greek mainland with the Peloponnese Peninsula. So it makes it this really sort of strategic place in Greece. In the time of Paul, it was a, a center of land traffic, and, and shipping would go Uh, All the shipping routes traveled essentially through Corinth, from the Mediterranean, over from from Athens, down from Greece. It all flew through Corinth. Within this geographic location, right, people came from all over to live and and visit in in this city. With all of these influence, right, Corinth became this this really um, diverse place. It's likely that the church was made up of people from all different kinds of, of backgrounds because that reflected the, the city they were in. We know from the book of Acts that, that Paul planted the church here with Aquila and Priscilla, a married couple. They were also tent makers like Paul was. He worked with them and he worked to plant the church there. And we know that uh, Priscilla and Aquila were Jews um, that had been expelled from Rome, settled in, settled in Corinth. So we know there, were, there was a Jewish influence in the, in the church. Acts tells us that, that Paul actually in Corinth, he started his ministry in the synagogue, so with the Jews that were there, and, and he would preach there, but, but it, didn't, it didn't take. He was actually angrily run out of the synagogues, and then he, he received a vision from the Lord that said, you know, take it to the people, take it to the Gentiles. The picture that you see here is, is the Agora in Corinth. The Agora was like the, 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 uh, uh, the gathering place in the city, kind of a big open marketplace area. This is a, a picture of the, of the Agora. We know that Paul preached in places just like this, in fact, maybe right here. And he shared courageously, right, about Jesus and this movement of people who knew Jesus the Messiah. It began to grow with Jews and Gentiles, these diverse, diverse people alike. What you see in this next picture is, is a, the Bema. It's actually kind of the same place looking out the other direction. You'll notice it was a raised platform. The Bema means, means raised platform. It was the place where teachers would stand and crowds would gather underneath and, and they would, would share. Imagine Paul standing right here in Corinth preaching to, to people gathered around sharing about Jesus. Now we know from Paul's letters that 
after Paul left Corinth, um, other teachers came. And, uh, and we know from Paul's letters that those other teachers, they taught different ways of interpreting the law and the, and the scripture and different ways of living together in community. By the time Paul writes his letter, right, he's heard how people are now identifying not as followers of Jesus, but followers of Paul or followers of Cephas or followers of Apollos. Like they've split themselves about whose, whose way of living they like best or whose way of living they are following. In the midst of these divisions... Paul writes these letters that we now have in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And we learn that one of, one of the main issues dividing the church was eating food sacrificed to idols. This next picture is what remains of the, of the temple of Apollo in Corinth. Corinth was filled with these temples. These are actually the best ruins that are still there. With temples dedicated to numerous gods, Right? Corinth was known for its religious diversity and, and as such, its, its cultic practices. In fact, some of the new followers of Jesus probably came from these temple cults. Part of the life in the temple cult was sacrifices of, of animals to these different gods, Apollos, Aphrodite. Um, people would bring animals to sacrifice and then the the meat of the animal, some of it would be kept for the priests, but the rest would be given back to the people, usually sold through the marketplace. Now, you could get meat in Corinth or in other, other communities. You could get meat that hadn't been sacrificed, but it was usually, like, crazy expensive. So most people, if they were going to get meat, or if, what most people could afford was the meat that had been sacrificed at a temple. All of this meant that for the early followers of Jesus, in the midst of all these cultic and, and pagan practices, right, they had all these questions about, about eating, about meals shared together. So, so can you eat meat sacrificed to idols? And if so, what if you're at a meal and you don't know whether that meat has been sacrificed to an idol or, or not sacrificed? Right? What if you can't afford any other meat? Does it make it okay to eat? meat from the marketplace? And what if some people at the dinner say it's okay, but others don't say it's okay? Well, there's good news. Paul's letter to the church, it, it addresses this question, right? All these people who are, who are wrestling with this division and looking for guidance, Paul's, Paul's going to give us an answer. And here's what, here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 8, 4. So concerning the actual food involved in these sacrifices to false gods, we know that a false god isn't anything in this world and that there is no god except for the one god. Good news, we can eat the bacon, right? Because it, there's only one god. And bacon makes life better. But before we jump there, Paul is not finished with his answer. Not so fast as really, the Bible doesn't say that, but it's kind of what it feels like. Because Paul's going to go on. Paul says that, essentially, like, not everybody knows what you know. Right? Is it okay to eat this food? Yes, for, for you, it's, it's okay to eat this food. But not everybody knows what you know. And what matters, what matters is that you build up your brothers and sisters, that you care for them and support them in their faith. So Paul goes all the way from what he said first to then saying this, this is why if food causes the downfall of my brother or sister, I won't eat meat ever again, or else I may cause my brother or sister to fall. 
But ultimately, this isn't about the bacon on the table or about the rules of eating the bacon. This is about supporting others in their faith. It's about supporting others in their relationship with Jesus. This is about avoiding anything that tempts others or, or tears down the faith of others or, or makes others feel unloved. At its heart, for Paul, he's going to address specific issues, but at heart, this isn't about food. This is about how to live together in the midst of divisions. It's about how to support one another when not everybody shares the exact same set of values or see things the same way. In fact, to start this whole conversation, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1. Start the whole thing, he says, Now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. After a sermon on God's love, someone will often ask what's really an important question. And we'll talk about the importance of loving everyone. And someone will come up and say, isn't there such a thing as tough love? Like, aren't aren't there some boundaries that we should we should have as we, as we love people? And the answer is yes. Right? If we see somebody destroying their life or, or the life of others, love doesn't mean ignoring, doesn't mean ignoring the pain or ignoring what's happening. Right? I mean, in many ways, we're invited as, as fellow Christians into relationships with our brothers and sisters so we can, in the depth of the love of those relationships, help each other hold things together, help each other address the sin in our lives. Right? When we're in those relationships, God in, invites us to, to first build them up. And sometimes that's helping them see what causes the pain. Right? Paul sets boundaries in 1 Corinthians around a number of issues. Right? He sort of, he does, he goes back to the teachings of Jesus and he, and he sets boundaries. But Paul also provides then a framework because in our human understanding we we enter into these gray areas and and Paul provides this this framework for navigating the gray areas the the tensions and the and the division a guide for how to sit at the table when you when you don't necessarily see the issues the the same way you don't share the same approach and Paul's Paul's framework is really this love is more important than knowledge. Building up is more important than proving you're right. Humility is a part of wisdom. Love is more important than knowledge. Right? Knowledge, knowledge just puffs up. It's about feeding our egos to know we're right, but love Love shares what we know to build the community up. And humility for Paul is tied to wisdom, specifically the wisdom of the cross. This is Paul's guidance for navigating when we don't see the world the same way. 
When we ask, how do we, how do we navigate the cultural and, and political and ethical issues that divide or challenge us? Paul affirms, yeah, there, there are boundaries. And at the same time, the key to navigating the gray areas, that key is love. The upbuilding of the, of the community and God's love, that's always the goal toward which to strive. Right? Paul's just building on, on what, what he knows from the teachings of Jesus. In John's gospel, John, Jesus says these rather well-known words. Right? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you agree with one another. No. Agree on all the same rules together? No. Follow all the same rules exactly? No. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Which takes us back to the woman I encountered at Martin's, and, and not so much the, the woman in, the, in a very human moment, but, but more it takes us back to this question that we asked. So, if we say and do things that we regret, if we hurt others, if we face these divisions in our world, what makes us different than the world around us? Does following Jesus make any difference in what we say or do? For Paul, the answer is yes. A resounding yes. Right? How we talk to each other matters. How we treat each other matters. Maybe even more so in the moments when we disagree or when there are divisions among us. For Paul, Paul teaches that followers of Jesus orient all of life and community around the love of God and neighbor. Right? Everything. The decisions we make, the words that we say, our actions, it's all oriented around the love of God and neighbor. And will we make mistakes? Yes. Right? And when we do, we'll apologize and we'll make amends and we'll try to set things right. We'll learn and model to the world that we're not a bunch of perfect people, but we're a bunch of, of people who recognize when, when we're broken and when we've made mistakes and, and recognize that we can seek the forgiveness of Jesus and offer that forgiveness to others. Right? Will we find ourselves on opposite sides of issues? Absolutely, because we we in our humanity will never see the, the whole picture of God. Will those differences tear us apart? No, they, they can't. We can't let it because, because sharing God's love is more important. We can't let those divisions tear us apart because the relationships where we nurture people into the love of Jesus Christ are more important than what divides us. Many of you have likely heard me share this quote from John Wesley before. It's from a sermon he delivered called Catholic Spirit, Catholic meaning universal, so not the Catholic Church, but universal spirit. And he says this, though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. Without all doubt, we may. Herein all the children of God may unite, notwithstanding these smaller differences. Dr. Claude Kaler is a UMC pastor in North Carolina. He did an exercise with his congregation in a sermon a few years ago, and I thought perhaps repeating it 
for us this morning might, uh, might serve as just an invitation to reflect on how God's message might, might speak to in our lives today. So uh, to do this, we're going to divide the room into, into two halves. Uh, so this side of the room, I want you to uh, imagine that you are followers of Jesus who follow strict eating codes. So no bacon for you. As somebody said in first service, this ends when the service is over, so you can go back to bacon eating. All right, this side of the room, I want you to imagine for a moment that you are followers of Jesus who believe that you can eat anything that you want. Double helpings of bacon for you. Those of you at home, uh, I just invite you to, to pick a side, either one. And I want you to imagine Paul speaking to the room today with this, the, the ideas of, of Corinthians. First, for those of you who have strict diet codes against eating bacon, yes, they understand this issue different than, than you do. But their actions, they're, they're not impacting your life or standing in the way of sharing God's love. So don't judge them. Don't call them flaming heretics. And for those of you who are eating bacon, yes, they understand this issue differently than you do. But know that, that they're searching for the boundaries that, that matter, that are important. Don't disparage their commitment to their values. And don't call them uncaring fundamentalists. You can't throw them out of the church because you think they're too sinful or unwilling to follow your rules. It's not how the church works. You can't throw them out of the church because you don't like the rules they live by and because you think they're too strict. That's also not the church that God created. Don't forget that you are saved by grace and not works. Don't forget that grace saves us to live a holy lifestyle, to introduce others to that grace that we know. You'll want to guard against becoming self-righteous and making it about the rules and not about the love of God for community. You'll want to guard against becoming self-righteous and making it about personal freedom and not about the love of God for community. Humility. You know how some people set a word for their year? I'm going to live into this word. I, I did not set one for this year, but I, I feel like God is leading me into this, in this word in my own life and in my ministry, this, this word humility. Because you see, humility, it puts love before knowledge. Humility puts others before ourselves. Humility reminds us that, that God holds a bigger picture, the whole that we cannot see. Humility stops us from judging one another. Humility is a gift that we see modeled in Jesus. It makes the ultimate of humble acts for us. So this is our faith fit challenge for this week. 
Every week here at Clay Church, we have an invitation to, to not just hear a word on Sunday, but to, to do something that, that lives it out in our daily life. So this is our invitation, your challenge this week. Let's practice humility. And here's a way to do that. I invite you to go home today, and I don't know about you, I have in these drawers these wristbands that I've gotten over time uh, for, you know, different things, fundraisers and stuff. But, uh, so go home, and if you have a, a wristband or a, or a bracelet, put it, put it on one of your arms. If, if you don't do that, um, you can grab something and put it in your pocket for a week, a little cross or a coin or just something that you don't always carry around, and use it as your, your humility reminder for the week. Anytime you complain, Anytime you find yourself complaining or anytime that you find yourself judging or on the edge of judging someone else, I invite you to, to take, that, take that bracelet and just move it to the other hand or take that coin out of one pocket and put it in the other. And as you do, quietly just say this prayer, Lord, let me be humble for you. Anytime you feel yourself acting out of your own hubris and judgment or, or complaint, just switch it and pause and say, Lord, let me be humble for you. Paul says a little bit later in the letter to the Corinthians, no one should look out for their own advantage, but they should look out for each other. Perhaps the best way to close today is to listen to some other words of Paul about what, lives, about what love looks like about the kind of love that has the power to hold us together, even in our divisions and tensions. Perhaps the, the best words we can hear today will help us acknowledge that we all make mistakes, but that we're invited to strive in the tensions and the, and the divisions in our world to let our lives show a still more excellent way in Jesus Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. Love doesn't keep a record of complaints. Love isn't happy with injustice, but love is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things. Trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Amen.